This week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, we take a look at a couple of Adam Silver and the NBA Board of Governors' ideas to quote-unquote fix the regular season, and we'll talk a little bit more football, maybe a more couple more coaching changes. Hey everybody, welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Andrew Loveland. Here, as always, with me, Jack Crum. I'm not going to ask you how your weekend was because I know it was terrible. Lions lost that terrible Turkey Bowl game. And Ohio State, your longtime rival, beat Michigan, who supposedly brought a football team to the stadium. I never saw it. Yeah, you know, at at some point you just get hurt so so much that it just doesn't hurt anymore. Uh, The Lions are basically over. Not basically. They're they're eliminated and... um, I have to watch Ohio State march on to the playoff after whipping one of my favorite schools. So, um, I'm I'm doing uh, I'm doing not so chipper today, Andy. I'm not gonna lie, not so chipper. Let's stay right there for a second. Any way you see Ohio State not making the playoff? Um, outside of losing uh, big to Wisconsin, I don't think that there is a possibility for a, a for you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean they'd have to get like forty-nine slots. zero would yeah. have to be like the score. I think they they for... would have to get killed. Even if they lost by just a little bit, I still think they'd be in the mix. I mean, it would complicate things, but I still think they'd be in a prime position for that four spot. Because I still believe the committee would take a one-loss Ohio State over a one-loss Utah. So, but I mean, they look like a juggernaut right now, man. I mean, yeah, they're they're good. They got Chase Young back, who. Still looks like the best player in college football. The Heisman talk has died a little bit. Yeah, Michigan kind of shut him down a little bit. but Yeah, yeah. it's hard to say you shut anyone down after that loss. But It's one of the few bright spots, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, Chase Young is an exciting prospect. Yeah, no doubt. And he'll, he'll happily go to whoever gets the second pick and doesn't have to think about drafting a quarterback because <laughs> Joe Burrow will be gone. Um, so moving into some other stuff, it kind of leaked. ESPN, I think it was Zach Lowe, had announced the NBA was talking about a possible play-in tournament and a possible mid-season tournament for the NBA. Initial, Give me some of your initial thoughts on that, and then maybe we can break down what we would like to see in those tournaments. I think, first of all, they would have to make it worth the player's while. If they wanted to, like, actually have, like, these, like, play-in tournaments and all this other stuff, like the midseason tournament. Although I think it would be a lot of fun for the fans to watch that kind of go down because a lot of the stuff that happens at midseason, like, you know, the All-Star game and the dunk contest, like, they're cool. But, like, like the All-Star game is basically just, I mean, it's, it's a YMCA game, essentially. I mean, there's no defense played. But, I mean, I appreciate that Adam Silver is kind of looking into how he can improve, you know, the watchability of it for the actual fans yeah i mean i think i like the idea of a play-in tournament because so often this especially in the east the west is a little bit different i think you'd be more annoyed if you're a team in the west but let's say they did the first six seeds in each conference were guaranteed and then the final four up for grabs and i mean maybe they still do it per conference but maybe they don't but i mean the east is the last couple of years the seven eight seed is 500 maybe so it doesn't matter which 500 below 500 team 
gets in. Like, let's just have whoever's playing hot at the moment. That way it's actually a threat to the yeah. one and two seed. Whereas, you know, if Detroit's, you know, 41 and 41, but the last month of the season they've been terrible, then let them lose. Yeah. Or vice versa. Let's say they're 41 and 41, but they're on a six-game win streak. Then let's let them see if they can beat the other teams around that and get in and at least scare somebody a little bit. Because then you, it's kind of like the NFL where you'll see – you know, a wildcard team win just because they've won a couple of games in a row and they're hot going into the second week, even though that's a better team. I, I think it could be fun. The midseason tournament's a little different, and that's the one I think most people have an issue with because it's just we we don't do that in American sports. I mean... We don't. No. it's In soccer, you have some midseason tournaments. You've got some other things. But I think depending on how you structure it, I think one... I Bill Simmons, who I, I feel like I always quote when we're talking about basketball, <laughs> but he's a guy that I, I value his opinion on this, but he talked about it a little bit where if you cut the regular season down, which the only reason the regular season at 82 games is money, mm-hmm. but if you cut Very it down much. and replaced it with some of these midseason tournament things where the NBA teams could still make the money – and then find a way to make it valuable for the players. You know, it's not going to be the team too. Into the team, it's not going to be more money for the winner. Then you'll have the bonuses within and it as well. A lot well. of people have say, said that, but if you're a team like if you're LeBron and the Lakers, what good does an extra draft pick do you? Not much. So I mean, one of the things that Simmons discussed a little bit on his pod, and I'm going to throw it to you, is the idea that almost switch to a points style. System So similar to hockey where you get a certain amount of points for a win, but then make this tournament like each round progressing worth more points. So if you take the top, you know, however many teams in the league and put them in one tournament, make the final game worth like three or four more points than a normal game. So then you're actually enticed to perform well, especially like if it's early on in the season. Let's say it was going on right now. It actually be kind of fun to a little fun break because by now, like. The games are getting kind of monotonous. They're game 25. Kind of dragging out a little bit. Yeah, they don't mean as much because we don't know what they mean. And they're not as fresh. So it's, you know. I mean, personally, I, I like it. I mean, and I know it's been kind of scrutinized, especially with people on, like, Twitter and stuff like that. But, I mean, honestly, it's kind of – and it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, how the NCAA kind of does it where you have, like, these, like – like, Michigan played in the Big Ten, yeah. ACC – whatever it was, the Atlantic tournament. But it, it kind of keeps it fresh, and it kind of almost gives you like a little sense of the playoffs within the season to keep people interested. Um, the only issue is I don't know if players would necessarily I, I like I think that's it. the big thing is you have to figure out how to get players to yeah. buy in. But if you could find a way to make sure that in late November, like for almost for the entire month of November, that just the best teams in the league are playing each other, I think that makes it more exciting as a fan because you, you're actually seeing that and you're seeing the top teams at that moment in time play each other and potentially with real-life implications. Although if they did this, they'd have to be 100% sure that the big-name players would play in it because it could easily blow up in their face if you have a Anthony Davis list and a LeBron James list Lakers face off against, you know, a team yeah. without, like, say they played the Clippers who didn't have Kawhi, didn't have Paul George. Well, And I so mean, that was one of the up. things I found interesting with Simmons' ideas. He said... Take the top 14 teams, regardless of, of conference, put them in one tournament that's more about the extra points for the playoffs, and then take the bottom 16 and put them in a different tournament. That would be more for, like, 
points and a couple of draft picks. <laughs> so then you you are looking at you're talking about the top half of the league playing each other. And at the, that point, the, all those teams have a reason to buy in because, yeah. you know, if you're the Celtics or you're the Bucks right now, think about how much more important, like, basically winning an extra five games on the season would be over the, you know, it'd give you insurmountable lead over and, the Celtics. Yeah. And if you already have a spot clinched because of those extra points, then the players can take off those games anyway as it yeah, is. Yeah, later in the season exactly. or, you know, which you they might actually pl- like even or more. Or play fewer minutes. And and if you're talking about the regular season now is only 78 or 72 games, like that allevi- alleviates some of the rest problems that we were talking about. But I think that's, regardless of how they do it, if the players don't want to play in it and aren't taking it serious... As a fan, you're not going to be able to either because, I mean, you already know like these guys are, they're they're taking nights off. That's fine. Yeah. Everyone's done it. Like in your regular I mean, job, load management has become a regular. Yeah, but business. it's more than load management. I'm not even talking about legitimately not playing. But there's very few players like Russell Westbrook. I have no doubt. Every game you watch Russell Westbrook, he's trying as hard as he can. Oh yeah. To get a triple double to get the victory. But you you watch some of those other guys. I mean, Kyrie, Katie, even it's late November. It's against the Knicks. You're not necessarily getting a 50 point performance from any of those guys. You might sometimes if it's not you know a nationally televised MSG game, but it, it it's not always like that. So I think it'd be it's an interesting idea. We'll see what they do. The plan tournament is almost something that I really really think they should do. Like tomorrow like implement it for this year like, i mean that would be awesome honestly it, and too think about like if you're a team like i just keep using detroit because well, like you last year detroit and miami yeah they were competing for that last spot mm-hmm. i mean that would have been interesting or like been cool detroit again this year like let's say they fall a little bit short of where they think they're going to be you know yeah. then maybe let them let them either play in to get it or let them suck to fall out of the playoffs and get an actual draft pick versus being the eighth seed and getting nothing for it. Yeah. Like, it's just, it provides you with a, a bunch of different things. And I think while we're at it, I almost feel like, you know, the NBA could change a couple more things about conference seeding and maybe reseeding the playoffs at a certain point or changing who gets in where or I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of changes with the NBA. I mean, there's a lot of new rules being proposed, like even like moving up over the next couple of years. And, I mean, it has the possibility to bring the league itself to the next level or it has a chance to, you know, ruin the progress they've made. So I don't I'm think, curious to— I don't think anything that they're suggesting will ruin the progress. I think you're more likely to have a bunch of people who are like, I don't like this, I don't want it. Yeah. But if you do it right on your end, even people right now who are saying, do not give me a midseason tournament, that's stupid— if you do it right and the players buy into it, you'll see fans buy into it because, you know, there's just so, you know, people fought against free agency in all sports for a long yeah. time. They fought against the way the draft is now. Like, people don't necessarily know always what's best. They just know they don't want it to change, you know. And it's the NBA, I credit Silver and the rest of the board of governors and all those people for at least being willing to, whether or not any of these changes actually take place, look at it and say, exactly, here's something we've always done. Could we change it and make it better? And I think you see a lot of other sports. Not, like uh, the NFL, I won't say, isn't willing to change because they've changed some stuff. But like baseball. Baseball, baseball is not is willing very... to change anything, even if it's for for the better. I mean, yeah, and baseball is just never going to change because 
they're all just kind of like, this is how it was, this is how it's going to be. Yep. It's a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of old men that are very much stuck in the past. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it'll be curious to see where baseball yeah. goes, but the NBA has taken massive strides. And they'll never, I don't think they'll ever dethrone the NFL because that's just a monster that can't be dethroned. But they can be their own special little thing, and that's what they've been doing lately. Because, honestly, I can't even tell you the last time I watched a full NBA game. But, like, I still know the standings and the teams and all this other stuff because I just – I love the drama with it. That's the number one thing that I love about the NBA is that there is that, like, dramatic factor. I mean, it's like watching a movie take place before your eyes. Like, that entire Kevin Durant saga was just, just like, a sportscaster's dream because it's like – like, here's a guy who basically, like I, – I well, I don't want to say betrayed, but he did kind of betray the – Oklahoma City Thunder left for an amazing team. Well, like that's the kind of stuff that sets it apart because you're not going to see that in the NFL. Like, well, if you're a good player, you're basically going to be stuck on your team, barring well, like a. I'll say you'll see it in the NFL. It just doesn't matter. Like, I, mean, I, I just don't think it's as dramatic in the NFL. Well, it's though. not as dramatic no. though, but because when you are Kevin Durant, and let's say no matter what, top three basketball player of your generation in probably top 10, top 15 all time when he's all said and done. But if you're Kevin Durant, there's only five people on a basketball court at a time. You're 20% of the production. You can have that much influence on a game. Whereas I look at a guy like Ndamukong Sue, the best defensive tackle in football in when he was in Detroit. He left, but ultimately it doesn't matter to him that he went to the Dolphins. It doesn't matter to the Lions that he left that much. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose a player, but there's 11 guys on the field at all time. And that's, that kind of and diminishes it, the, the Even a great, even an absolute great, tremendous player cannot have the same effect on a football field that you can. Well, look at Aaron Rodgers. If you had the best, say you had the best point guard in the league, you would definitely be in a prime position to win yeah. it all. Whereas if you have the best quarterback, which the Packers have had basically for the last 10 years. It helps you. I mean, it helps you for sure, but like the Packers. They have one Super Bowl. Exactly. Since 2010, they have yeah. one Super Bowl. And so, I mean, and they've won playoff games, no doubt. But like, at some point in the NFL, you can't be an individual. Yeah, or like it, the the Lions too. I mean, it hits home. But like Matthew Stafford, who's been excellent, started every single game um, up to this season. But like, I mean, there's no playoff wins to show for it. I mean, yeah, the NBA is much more individual based. Yeah, the end. It's and it's just because you have smaller rosters, smaller people, like smaller amount of players on the court at the same time. One player can have a more tra- dramatic effect because I won't say we've never seen players leave. You know, I mean, New England does it all the time. You know, Revis was a famous mercenary from just a few years ago. Manning left the Colts, which we never thought would happen. I mean, Joe Montana left the Niners. It it happens. It's just usually at the tail end. The owners control so much more in football, which yeah. is the other thing is like, could you imagine if – Kevin Durant was said, I want to leave. And then Oklahoma City said, no, we're going to slap the franchise tag on you. And they just kept on doing it. And they just like kept the on Steelers doing it for, with Bell for, like for two or three. Or like two the or three Redskins years. with Cousins, yeah. which ended up – I mean, the funniest part about the Redskins with Cousins <laughs> is the initial deal they offered him was like four years, $100 million. And then it was like they did the franchise tag for three years, and I think he made more than $100 million on it. Yeah. And you're kind of like – I mean, he he benefited the most from it. Yeah, uh, he didn't get a long term deal. I mean, sure, but and granted, for Cousins, making... it's kind of lucky because in any of those seasons, he could have broken his leg, yeah. and then been out for two or three years or never made the money, which I think was Le'Veon Bell's big.
biggest point last year is I, I don't I don't necessarily care about the the total dollars of it. What I care about is the longevity of it. Whereas if I break my leg or I tear an ACL, I might never get the money. You know, at that point, yeah, then it's concerning for a player. But yeah, so it's it. The NBA is different, and I agree. I don't think they'll ever take over the NFL unless the NFL kind of loses this battle with like health concerns, which they won't. There's I'd, women. I mean, in, I don't. I can't so. see it ever happening in our lifetime. No. But I think you already see it in younger parents and younger athletes not necessarily gravitating towards football the way they once did. And I, I feel like. But ultimate like football isn't going anywhere as a whole, but like you'll you'll start to see players in general start leaving like earlier because like you saw with Andrew Luck, and you've seen you know throughout the last couple of years you saw it, you know with Patrick Willis the great San Francisco linebacker. Who was the other linebacker though that they uh, lost? He was, was a rookie. Uh, uh, was it Borland? It was. Um, it was. I. It was. Some, it was from San Francisco. Yeah. So, yeah. He he won rookie of the year. And then he just retired. And then, he, and then he retired, you know. So, I mean, I I agree. I can't at this point see the NFL ever just dissipating. Yeah, Chris Borland. But I just don't – I won't say that the NBA could never overtake it, but I the only way I could see it is if football, for some reason, just caves in on itself just due to people's overwhelming health concerns. Hey, who knows? Maybe the XFL will uh... – Will be the one league that will finally no, dethrone the, the NFL. No, the XFL won't. No, that, that that the XFL is gonna fold. And I mean, I don't think it will fold instantly because you've got McMahon. You've got McMahon's yeah. money behind it a little bit. It'll hang around for a little bit. I think what hurts the XFL is them not really wanting to be a supplemental league. Like you know, the Lions tried to sign Josh Johnson, and they were like, "No, you can't." So now if I'm somebody on the bubble in for the NFL, do I just wait it out then? Yeah. I just keep doing workouts because if I the minute I sign that XFL contract, you're I can't play in the NFL yeah. until after that contract is over. So you're they might hurt themselves and lose a couple of guys who would actually be good players in their league because they don't want to risk not having that chance at an NFL job. Whereas I think if they were willing to say, like, okay, it kind of sucks for our league that like a quarterback could just leave. But at the same time, you'll get a couple of guys who, you know, like a Kaepernick who wants to be in the league but needs an opportunity. Or, you know, you'll get some of those guys like Marcus Mariota could be out of an NFL job soon. He's a guy who would probably benefit from playing a couple of XFL games and showing growth. But if he knows, like, okay, I can only sign a one-year contract here, play these games – I don't know. I, I think it hurts them. I think and, they would be better yeah. served to work with the NFL. And the difficult part for the XFL is, so the closest league to competing with the NFL was the USFL back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, Small potatoes. Exactly. And the, the one thing that the, that the USFL had on the NFL is they started poaching their players straight out of college. Yeah. Like they took away Herschel Walker immediately. They Jim took Kelly. away Jim Kelly, uh, Steve Young, like all these like NFL Hall of Famers. And I almost want to say, like, the XFL should start to do that, but they can't, like, or I don't think at least they could, like, offer as much money as the NFL could. Well, so and that's, you, that's what eventually put is. them down is yeah. you were offering more money, but the money's not actually exactly. there. 
So then, I mean, we just talked about it, but let's say let's say Chase Young says, "Okay, I'll play in the XFL for twenty million dollars a year for the next five years." Chase Young doesn't make a football team. No, he 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 doesn't make it, and the game as a whole, the league as a whole, exciting enough. Like, you know, I think it worked more in the '80s because you've got the legend of players. There's only so many national TV games. There's only so many of this. So a guy like Herschel Walker, who not all of us had an, you know, I mean, none of none of us in this room had the opportunity to see Herschel Walker, but you know, not everyone got to see at that time. You now might get to see him in the USFL, whereas like, you know, now it's like we've all seen all the best college players. Exactly. We know what they look like. It's not as mystifying. And We'd rather yeah. see them playing against other top caliber players than just get the opportunity to see Chase Young in action. Exactly. And the key for the XFL, I think, is going to be you need to find that happy medium of getting players that people want to watch, but also getting players kind of like what the AAF had, where they were like willing to play for you. Because the issue with the AAF is like it was cool, like watch a whole bunch of draft bus playing, but like. If you're watching a sport, you want to see, like, the max, like, the best that someone can be. So they need to find that happy medium, and I don't know if they're going to be able to. Yeah, it's it's kind of different because I don't know if the happy medium really exists because you've got— I don't think got, it does either. I don't know. Like, you have to differentiate your product between big-time college football and the NFL. And— Having a bunch of guys who used to be all right in college football doesn't necessarily, you know, resonate. When I could watch, you know, Clemson and Ohio State face off, who arguably have more talent than any two XFL teams, like why wouldn't I versus watching an XFL game? Exactly. I, you know, and maybe if the NCAA folds, maybe the XFL fills in, you know. Here's a place Dude, for knows? people who could have played Division One college, yeah. <laughs> you know. But it's just ultimately, I don't, I don't know where where it is. But I'm curious. Let's, let's see, see what I mean, they do. I, I'm curious. I mean, they got cool uniforms. They dropped them today. Like I have not picked my team yet. So I mean, I'm I'm down to like like look at it and like give it a chance. But I just I can't see it being there for the long haul. Yeah. Just with like all the other leagues that have tried and failed. Well, and even the the Arena Football League just folded. Yeah. And that was a league. Who, I mean, that was around for like 30 years. Yeah, like, and, the, and they had a good gimmick. Like yeah. the gimmick was it's inside, it's shorter, there's some funnier stuff about it. Like, in, they, Yeah, and they went to all these, like they like had a team in like Nebraska and they had like all these other like yeah. small scale teams in places that they knew people would come. Yeah, oh, and it's a sad day. Those Friday night games in, uh, in mid-January. Yeah. <laughs> was it the, the Grand Rapids Rampage? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, former Central Michigan and University of Michigan quarterback Shane Morris was an AFL Man. quarterback. I actually just saw that on his Twitter. He was like, "Thanks for the ride." I'm like, "I thought you were selling insurance." Like, no, he was. I he got. I want to say he got signed like in August or something. Or, you know, or like sometime this summer. It was kind of medium sized news around yeah. here. You're like, eh. all right. I mean, okay. Kind of a local legend a little bit i mean I, yeah i guess so he's horrible but he was local better, legend better here but uh i'm actually i'm gonna look up a uh usfl michigan panthers uh shirt because at least they won a championship something <laughs> yeah. none of my teams have done so 
When when did they win that championship? 1983. So that would be the last team. Last in, and only. In the state of Michigan. Oh, not only. Because Lions have won championships, but. That would be the last team in the state of Michigan to win an outright championship oh, in their sport outright. of football. Get out of here. 1997. Don't hit me with this outright stuff. Yeah, you're right. They shared it. They got a they got a participation ribbon for playing that season. Okay, so so move, moving away from the glory days of the Michigan Panthers and the USFL and the XFL, I'm gonna hit you with some names of some NFL head coaches, and you tell me if you see them staying or leaving after the season's concluded. So how about uh, Doug Marone in Jacksonville, four and eight right now. He'll Just be there. Bench He'll his, be there. His Nick Foles. You think he's gonna still be there? Yeah, I, I don't know what they were. That's really confusing. Everyone to me. knew that Nick Foles was not gonna work out as a free agent. Yeah, or at but, least I did. I like. But do we know he didn't work out? He got hurt, played in two or three games, I mean, he and that was the first game. But he like, did, and and like the Jaguars, at their peak this season, which was like the second and third game of the Gardner Minshew era, were doing just all right, like. People, Minshew mania was like this thing where like the team wasn't good. They were all right. Like we had, it wasn't like he was, they were five and one when Minshew was quarterback. It was like, no, they were like (laughs) four and five, like total. Yeah. Like, so Foles came in, has basically done the same thing. And now people are kind of upset at Foles. And I, I mean, the only thing I would say is maybe I'm wrong and maybe Marone's on the way out and he's hoping that Minshew will light a spark and, or something crazy like that. And yet, but I don't quite understand why you would bench Foles after a handful of games just because I think you we always undervalue the, the dynamics of it. Yeah. Is now you've got this quarterback making all this money who's on the bench and you've ruined it. Like million. you can't, you can't start him again. You can't trade him. You can't trade him because now you cut him. Pay. But you're gonna eat a ton of. Dead I just cap. so I don't understand that. Whereas like if you play him out the rest of the season and he plays just all right, you and you want to get rid of him, you can trade him. You haven't shattered yeah. his value. Well, now but you the have minute the most you bench him, back up in football. Yeah, and that's used to be Teddy Bridgewater, and now you've taken that from Teddy, and I mean, that's gonna upset a lot of people <laughs> in the Bridgewater household. <laughs> I mean, I, I my personal opinion is I think that if football operations had Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell go, I think he's going to go too. But if those two stay and Shad Khan gives them an extra year, I think he's going to stay with them because I feel like they're all yeah, the same kind of uh, old school football. Exactly. Yeah, it's just the weird duck kind of like. Um, how about Dan Quinn of the Falcons? Gone. I think he's I think the, gone. I think the Falcons are going to tear it down a little bit. I think so too. I think they'd be smart too. The yeah. question is, is I don't know, do you think Matt Ryan survives that rebuild? Because he hasn't been the, the problem. Yeah, he hasn't been the problem. He hasn't really been the solution. I don't know what you do with Matty Ice. I mean, you could possibly deal him. I mean, but still, I just. Yeah. It's, I it, mean, whatever maybe, they. Maybe, maybe the Bears would like Matty Whatever Ice. they do, they're going to do it sloppily. Yeah, that's true. That's how the these quarterback things always do oh, yeah. go. Uh, this one is probably the most obvious one. How about Jason Garrett in Dallas? Uh. Nothing Jerry Jones has said in the last two or three weeks makes me think Jason Garrett will coach the Cowboys. Did you next see what season. he said? He was like, Jason I Garrett will be a coach be in the coach. NFL next season. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, no, he's he's gone. Like, he probably should have been gone a lot earlier, but he's gone, gone, bearing like 
something completely unexpected. Um, how about Pat Shermer in New York? Could we see the clapper clapping alongside Saquon Barkley next season? Honestly, I think I think one Pat Shermer's definitely gone. I mean, he's seven and twenty-one in New York. Yeah, that's but it for Pat Shermer. As I a think head coach, Ron Rivera right? is the is the next head there. I don't I don't think Rivera goes there. You don't I think, think so. No, I think him and Gettleman like have a working relationship. But Gettleman stripped the Panthers roster of talent and kind of like immediately after the Super Bowl, just kind of was like, yeah, I know we don't have offensive talent, but we're gonna cut the defensive talent too, and. I think hurt the Panthers. Man, I forget that Josh Norman saga, that yeah. whole thing. Well, they like he tried to hold out, and instead of them forcing him to sign the to tender, he they just cut him. Yeah, and it, you know, and it wasn't like this thing where like I think paying Josh Norman long term would have been the wrong move for them, but he was one of the few players who was kind of bluffing to hold out. He was going to hold out as long as he could, but he was, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think so regardless. I don't, I don't think Rivera yeah. necessarily wants to go to New York because they don't really have everything there, I think. Yeah. And it depends. I mean, I'm slightly biased here, but if Froddy Kitchens gets fired, Cleveland probably is the most attractive job. Probably, Especially, yeah. like, Rivera's a defensive guy, and you look at that defense, you've got Greedy Williams, you've got Demarius Randall, you've got Denzel, Denzel Ward. Ward, you've got, you know, Joe Scobert's been pretty good. You've got, you know... Hypothetically, you've got Miles Garrett next season. You've got Larry Ogunjobi. You've got you know Olivia Vernon, who you could resign. Like, I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got pieces all over the defense. Where if you could get those guys into shape, that's a top five defense in the NFL. And then that's not even looking at the offensive side of the ball. Whereas if you're Ron Rivera and you say, okay, I'm not an offensive guy, but you bring in an offensive guy, you you suddenly have some stuff yeah. there, and it could be one of those things where you know. The biggest problem for the Browns is you know where they need to fix it. You know mm-hmm. the offensive line needs to get help. And honestly, I'm of the mindset where I think a lot of the times in, in some scenarios, a defensive-minded coach actually can do more for the offense if he just stays hands-off well, and lets the offensive coordinator run the show. Because you saw, I, you've saw, you seen it with, like, I mean, I'm going to use the Lions, but, like, Daryl Bevel this year, he's done wonders for the Lions offense. The defense has been a complete train wreck. But like you've seen it in many you know cases where it's like a defensive coach comes in. You saw it with Ron Rivera when Cam was super good and just is like, you know what, I'm just going to handle the defense. I'm going to oversee everything. You know, the offensive coordinator has got this on lock. Well, and I think that's because as the offensive coordinator, you can be in every meeting mm-hmm. with every position group. You can be working with Baker and Odell and Jarvis every day, and you can say like, okay, what are you guys seeing? Here's what we're doing. As the head coach, you can't do that every day. Otherwise, your defense will be neglected and be terrible. So if you're Rivera and you want to focus on the defense and have an offensive coordinator dominate the whole thing, you can because they can be in those meetings every day. They don't have to make sure all the special teams and the defense and the offense all line. And Rivera, at the end of the day, can kind of say, like, okay, this is the strategy we want to run. This is what we want to incorporate. Can you get us here? Yeah. And so I think I think Rivera would be a really nice fit in Cleveland. I won't handicap it or anything and say like that's where I think he will go, because mark me, you know, wrong. But where did Rivera make his bread in, as a player in the NFL? Uh, he went to Chicago. Who's probably going to need a head coach at the end of the year? Chicago. I mean, possibility, right? Maybe maybe a reunion there. Although I and can't see that. Maybe a double Maggie. reunion. 
Oh, I think Nagy is tied to Trubisky. You think so? They're two. They're Marriage. they're tied with a rope, and there's a cinder block in the middle, and it's getting on. So, it, I mean, here's the thing: you've got if you bring in Rivera, maybe he'll bring in his own quarterback. Maybe that quarterback is a, currently undergoing foot surgery, and promising to heal. Bring uh, bring Cam bring in, super huh? bring super Cam to the Windy City. Bring it and bring yeah. Rivera. You know, I don't. I mean, again, that's literally speculation. But I mean, be be a good marriage. I, I mean, so I wouldn't like I, it. And I can't. My division. Yeah, but, but I can't hundred percent speak to Rivera's like feelings for the city of Chicago or the Bears organization. But he, but that he came back. He, yeah. you know, he has that connection. Um, how about um, right here in Detroit, Matt Patricia? I mean, we talked about this a lot two weeks ago, where it's like, should they fire him? Probably. Will they? No. They have a hard time pulling the trigger. You know, unlike the Browns, where it's like they have a hard time not pulling the trigger, you know, but they they have the hard time pulling the trigger. So I yeah. don't one hundred percent know. You See, know, I, I do. He warrants it, but I don't know if I think if they he's, will. he's staying a hundredfold. I think uh, I think Martha Ford. I mean, she seems like a very nice old lady, but she lacks a spine for the football operations kind. So I don't. I think this Lions team is going to be rolling up next year, and uh, we'll. You know, we'll see. I'm not going to trash my team too much because I'm just kind of done with it. Uh, let's see here. We already started on uh, Mr. Pittsburgh started it, Freddie Kitchens. Um, we both agree yeah. he's definitely out. Yeah, I mean, the um, only thing that would have kept him there is if they rallied off and won out the rest of the season. And ended 9-7. And, and ended, well, I mean, now it would be 9-7, and seven, but at some point it could have been like 10-6. and, or oh, ten and yeah. six. The loss to Pittsburgh with their third-string quarterback – Makes me think that they're probably not going to be able to beat Baltimore, Duck. and they'll probably lose at least one more game. Yeah. So they're finishing, you know, eight and eight or so. Um, how about? Or yeah, not good enough. How about we go to the other coach in Ohio? Probably the most forgettable coach in the NFL right now is uh, the young Zach. No Taylor. way Zach Taylor gets fired. I say I don't think so either. I I don't know why he would get fired. Like you fired Marvin Lewis not to get better, but I mean because you, you knew, knew which direction you were going. Yeah. In. It's not one of these situations, you know, where he was taking over a juggernaut and then turned the like they suddenly started losing all these games. It's like, no, they fired him because they wanted to rebuild. They didn't think this was capable. Yeah. You know, and in that division now, honestly, if you're Cincinnati, what are the next 10 years like? You, Tomlin's proven he can do it with anyone. He's just a good coach. He's I think anyone after this coach, season yeah. who doesn't think Mike Tomlin's I mean, a good coach, he's is, winning games with his fourth string, like Duck Hunter kind yeah, of. Yeah, and Juju Smith Schuster is nowhere to be coaches. found. I don't know if Juju Smith Schuster is like playing Fortnite with Ninja during all the Steelers games, but he you can't find him on the he's field. Silent, yeah. He's, but they're still win. They're still winning. You know, and I like Juju. As far as like Pittsburgh Steelers players, like Juju Smith Schuster. Well, it's kind of hard not to like Juju. It he's is just like he's just like a kid out there, you know. Yeah, but and then but you've got the Browns who have talent, and you've got the Ravens who clearly have a lot of talent. Where does Cincinnati fit in that? Because the Browns show promise, the Steelers are the Steelers, and the Ravens are one of the top teams in the league right now. The Bengals basically have an aging wide receiver who can't stay healthy and a mediocre quarterback who's entering the later stages of his career. Yeah. You know, and they'll have Joe Burrow next year, who it'll be all season long. 
he's been on the rise. He'll be on the fall for the next couple of months as he gets nitpicked. Ultimately, he'll end up number one. I mean, absolutely. He doesn't have as strong of an arm as some of these other guys, but he, Drew Brees doesn't have a, as strong of an arm as some of these other guys. I mean, he's just just the touch on the football. And the accuracy. Just, yeah, and he'll, it's insane. He'll be fine. Ultimately, somebody will take him. I think some of the other quarterbacks will be a question. You know, there's talk now, Tua, going back to Bama. That's fascinating, but. He's not going back. There's no way. If anyone was going to do it, I think Tua would. Because he's kind of, like, I feel like he's more of a traditional, like, I owe it to people type of guy. Uh, you want to uh, want to close the show on some bowl predictions? Yeah, let's let's look at what you got. Because I saw, I saw just on, um, I was just scanning through Twitter today. And I saw this horrifying tweet that said that Michigan would play Alabama in the Citrus Bowl is one of the predict- predictions. I think it's likely. What is Alabama, the fourth best SEC team? Yeah. By, re- <laughs> by record? Yeah. Um, Michigan's. I mean, that would just be just fantastic. Michigan's it? Michigan what, the fifth best season getting blown school out in the state? Oh, man. And then. You the, think they'd get blown out, though? Like, they, would, they would get absolutely murdered. Yeah. Maybe. Saban would tear them apart because you'd have that team motivated. You know, you're 10 and 2. This is the Alabama way. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think they would. I don't think Alabama talent. would lose, but I don't think Alabama would steamroll them that way. Because the other thing is, like, those guys didn't come to Alabama to play in the Citrus Bowl. Half of them are going to the NFL. Like, you know, he like Saban kind of operates in the gray area and in the margins of, like, you know, you come to Alabama to get ready for the NFL and to win championships. And I think without that, like, kind of motivator, he loses some of he the stranglehold. Yeah. So he's not. It's not going to be one of these things where it's like, okay, if the, you know, if they lost the first game of the season, and then it was like, then they're playing Michigan. It's like you wouldn't want to play them because they're going to want to come out and they're going to want to show something to prove that they can be in the playoff. But now it's like they're not in there. He's not going to motivate them. And some of the. I mean, a lot of people have been saying it, but some of the mystique of Alabama has been knocked off. You know, yeah. when they got blown out by Clemson, no one fears them the same way anymore. They've lost twice this season. I can't remember the last time that Alabama lost twice, and one of them wasn't for something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, so, they still scare me, though, because Michigan I mean, I still think they would win, and they I don't, would. they'd probably win by 10 points or 13 points, but I don't think it would be this thing where you go like, oh, these two teams can't play in the same field. Like, what you had last weekend was Ohio State. One, it's a rivalry game, and so uh, the both teams are going to get amped up. But two, Ohio State's not just fighting to get in the playoff. They're fighting to be the number one seed. And you've got LSU is going to play a very good Georgia team, I believe, right, in the championship. Yeah. And no matter – Ohio State over Wisconsin isn't going to be – that same thing. No. But if you stop Wisconsin, you stop Michigan, now you're se- secured at number one. Oh, definitely. They're not going anywhere. But, um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, like, the fourth seed, because could Utah possibly sneak in as the fourth? I mean, they're one of the first two I don't want right I don't want to crush everyone who is a big Utah fan. I but just, if Oklahoma wins yeah. and somebody has to fall out, it's – We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it where six gets in and not five. Like, this is, these rankings are week to week. This isn't something to base. I mean, we saw Ohio State jump both Baylor and TCU. uh, Yeah. During the first playoff. Right. One, I mean, you know, 
teams have jumped eight rankings, yeah. you know, through a course of a season, you know. So this isn't something like, you know, the AP poll or the coaches poll where typically you just move up one or two slots at a time. You know, it the committee just ranks you where they think you are. Because, I mean, look at a team like Notre Dame. They lost, and then they dropped to, like, 18. Yeah. They only moved up to 16 when everything – or 15 when everything was said and done. Not saying they deserve higher than that, but it they kept winning. So it wasn't – like, the committee just looks at it every week and says, this is where we're ranking you. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, what have you – done through a season of work it's the end of the day they're hypothetically their job is to get the best four teams and i don't necessarily think that anyone believes that utah is the fourth best team i think or that utah sells tickets i mean i think it'd be interesting to see them but i just i can't see it because i mean could they compete with lsu especially baylor's the seventh team yeah true so you're having a team that beats six versus seven so even if baylor wins baylor probably gets in over utah because they beat the sixth team, whereas Utah is playing the 13th best team, who no one really believes is that good. And Utah kind of got the short end of the stick, too, because the Pac-12 has not been up to standards the last couple of years. I mean, it would be a much different story if they were taking down, like, a prime Stanford, prime Oregon, no. and they actually had, like, these, like, really good, like, ranked teams in there. But in reality, the best team in the in the Pac-12 right now is themselves, along with, like, a Oregon's kind of overrated right, Oregon. And- you know, you have some other teams like Arizona State who's all right under. But, like, at the but end not, of the day, it's not like. Not anyone tremendous. So there's I nothing that could put you in. We're, best case scenario for them was that they were ranked third or fourth. And then they just had to stay And then stay they just there, had to yeah. stay level and would have had to lose to drop out. Yeah. But you've got three teams right in there that are just, I think, six over. Especially if Oklahoma stomps Baylor. Then how you can't keep them out. You can't keep them out. You know, or you could, but the committee's not going to. So I think. And what if, what if Georgia and LSU play like forty-three, forty? Did they both just get in? Right. I mean, you'd think, right? <laughs> I mean, all Georgia has to do is just keep it close. I mean, I would think at least. Well, or if Although Georgia, it if Georgia wins, then if, Oklahoma if Georgia wins out, in a close game, yeah. you're not taking LSU out, are you? No. Well, no. You can't drop LSU down four spots. I could see you dropping them down, maybe back down to four, have Georgia up at three, Clemson at two, and Ohio State at one. I I just think there's not really a scenario where Utah gets in. I mean, regardless of what happens outside of, like, a total collapse of, like, two of the teams. Unless Oklahoma and Baylor play really, really tightly and Utah just— Plays the strings with Oregon or slop like if if they go out and just play sloppy football like yeah where it you doesn't could look see good. and Utah you know looks really really good like yeah. a fine tuned machine you could you know make the case but and then you know ticket sales and all this other stuff too I mean Utah's a fine state but like yeah. supposedly doesn't play an effect have an effect but oh come on it's the same reason why Michigan got into the uh, Sugar Bowl in 2011 over Michigan State when Michigan State beat Michigan I mean. Ticket sales absolutely play a role in yeah. who, who gets in what bowl. We'll see. I'm I'm always curious to see what the what the playoff committee does, but I think that'll do it for today's show. Tune in next week. We'll kind of wrap up the year, and that'll next week will probably be our last show of the semester for us. As always, thanks for listening.